Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Critical Thinking, Kingston's only municipal affairs talk radio show, only available on CFRC. Now, here's your host, Jamie Moss. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Critical Thinking. I am your host, Jamie Moss. You're listening to Kingston's only municipal affairs talk radio show. And with that in mind, we have a f- special, special show up today. And in fact, actually, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be bringing in municipal candidates from all over Kingston. And leading us off this week is going to be uh, Jeffrey Welsh. Uh, he's a council candidate, I believe, in uh, in Cataraqui District. Uh, we're going to be speaking with him about uh, what he plans to do with the city of Kingston. Uh, it, should he get elected. Uh, with that said, we'll uh, we'll take we'll be also being that it is e minus forty nine, uh, and that means forty mi- forty nine di- days before the actual election takes place. We'll try to have a whole bunch of different candidates, including roundtable debates. Uh, and my goal is to have uh, Floyd Patterson and Bill Glover in this uh, studio to uh, discuss what uh, or have a real debate about uh, what they're going to do with the Queen's campus, and and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, with that said, we're going to take a very quick break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk with Jeff Welsh of the Cataraqui District, running for City Council in Cataraqui District. Uh, so stay tuned. Interested in putting your education into action? Well, the Kingston, Ontario Public Interest Research Group, or OPERG, is the best place to do it. You can visit the OPERG office to get more information on the issues you're interested in or find new research and volunteer opportunities. They're located in the Grey House at 51 Batter Lane on Queen's Campus. Or you can visit them online at www.oberg.org. Support your local Oberg branch. And you too can celebrate 13 years of action for social change. The Hotel is a unique art house in Kingston. While six busy mammals live, eat, sleep, study, and party at the Yertel, the place is also open to the public to showcase Kingston's artistic talent. Equipped with a flexible gallery space, the Yertel regularly puts on art exhibitions, hosts musical concerts, and theatrical performances. The small but mighty Yertel would like to reach out to you. Currently, they are engaged in a community project called Together, and they're asking you, you talented solo musician, you sculptor, you filmmaker, you singer, you rabbit caster, you, to apply for a show. And this time around, they will pay you. Check out the website, www.the-artel.ca, or drop by anytime at 205 Sydenham Street. The six busy mammals will be happy to see you. How can you save hundreds of animals, protect the environment, and reduce your risk of fatal diseases? Choose vegetarianism. Challenge yourself to a week of meat-free meals. This message was brought to you by the Kingston Vegetarian Association. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Critical Thinking. I am your host, Jamie Moss. Joining me today in studio (coughs) is Jeff Welsh. Uh, How's it going? Great! Thanks for having me. Oh, I better turn that down a little bit. Uh, we're uh, so you're you're planning on running for city council in uh, the Cataraqui district. Let's let's talk about that. Why why are you thinking about running for council? Well, uh, for one thing, it's the district I live in, so obviously <laughs> I'm concerned about what happens there. Um, but basically, uh, I I just want to ensure that the district has good representation on council. 
Uh, our current counselor in, in Cataract Ward, um, Sarah Mears, uh, has been there for two terms now. Uh, and she, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, appears to have been doing a, a good job. Uh, most people I know uh, that I talk to in the district, uh, you know, are reasonably happy with uh, the job that she's been doing. Uh, but uh, apparently she's not running again. So when I started taking a look recently at who else was considering running, um, I, I was a little concerned uh, that there might be, you know, a, a gap in representation there. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, the other the other candidates who are running, uh, one doesn't live in the district uh, and has run in multiple districts multiple times. Uh, and so... You know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that, that particular candidate is uh, really going to care very much uh, about our district. Uh, and the other two who are running both ran last time, um, but didn't really campaign. Uh, they, you know, each pulled a couple of hundred votes uh, from friends and family or colleagues and, or what have you. But if they weren't willing to really put in the time campaigning then or now, they both declared in January uh, again, uh, it, it again makes me wonder if they're really going to put in the kind of time and effort uh, that it takes to be a good city councillor. So, I mean, that's a very good question, actually, since you're leading me down that path. What, what do you think it takes to be a really good city councillor? And what makes you in that position that, uh, that particular person? Well, uh, I think, first of all, you have to be willing to put in time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, a, a busy job. It's a demanding job. Um, you know, it, it's officially a part-time position, um, but, you know, by the time you add up council meetings and committee meetings uh, and answering correspondence, reading all the documents you need to read, talking to people, you know, on city staff about it, uh, talking to people in your district about it, uh, it adds up to a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a serious commitment. Uh, and, you know, the amount of effort candidates are willing to put in actually knocking on doors and, and going around the district, talking to people, asking them what they think, I think is partly indicative of how they're going to perform as a counselor. Are they really going to ask people what they think? Are they really going to make an effort to find out what they think? Right. All right. Well, that, that's actually a really good question. Since we, we haven't really described what the district is, uh, the Cataraqui District, tell me about it. What, where is it? What are the boundaries? And what do you see are the issues in Cataraqui District? Right. Cataraqui District, it's the old District 7. So it, uh, the southern boundary would be uh, the railway uh, to uh, division, up division to John Counter, mm -hmm. west along John Counter to Princess, west along Princess to Gardeners, up Gardeners to the 401, and then back uh, along the 401 to the river. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially Rideau Heights, Markers Corners, which is uh, uh, just along the northern edge of Rideau Heights, south of the 401, mm -hmm. uh, the large uh, expanse of commercial and industrial uh, just south of the 401, uh, down to uh, Cataraqui North, uh, which is the relatively new neighborhood uh, subdivision north of Princess around Centennial. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and what do you see are the issues uh, in that particular district? What do you what do you see are being the uh, the major things to talk about in that district? Well, a lot of it revolves around services. Um, from what I've gleaned talking to people uh, as as I go door to door and and 
talk to friends uh, and colleagues and things. Uh, it basically reaffirms what I've also read uh, in, in recent surveys. Uh, so, for example, uh, there were some surveys done by some consultants hired by the city a few years ago in, in Rideau Heights uh, when they were considering uh, establishing the Wally Elmer Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a, a youth center, a neighborhood center in, uh, in Rideau Heights. Uh, and basically what most people, uh, certainly in, in the Rideau Heights and, and Marcus Corners area site as issues are things like transit. Uh, how, how frequent is it? How convenient is it? Uh, what's the cost, et cetera? So having good transit. Uh, child care. There's about 70 child care facilities in Kingston, but there's only three uh, in, in the Rideau Heights, uh, Marcus Corners area, uh, none in Cataraqui North. Uh, despite the fact that they have a slightly higher than average uh, percentage of residents with children uh, and about double the city average of uh, single-parent households. So access to accessible, affordable child care uh, is, is definitely an issue for a lot of people, uh, as is housing. Um, the availability of housing, uh, for one, uh, as you know, uh, Kingston has one of the lowest uh, vacancy rates uh, in the country. Uh, the right, lab- that's something we've talked about on this show, actually. Right, it's, on. it's about 1.6%, uh, which is quite low. So it, it can be difficult for a lot of people to find the exact sort of housing they're looking for. Uh, and then in Rideau Heights in particular, uh, there's uh, a great deal of housing owned by uh, Kingston Frontenac Housing Corporation, uh, for example. Uh, and so there, there are people there who are concerned about uh, maintaining the quality of the facilities. Right. So we'll we'll talk. Okay, we're going to take one more quick. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll continue our uh, discussion about Cataraqui District with uh, with Jeffrey Welsh, a council candidate in the uh, in the Cataraqui District. He uh, he. This is actually the beginning of our municipal coverage uh, for the next uh, couple weeks, being that we are at forty nine days. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, forty nine days until the election uh, here in Kingston. So we'll keep uh, keep everything going uh, on the other side of the break. Uh, so stay tuned. This is CFRC. Hello, my name is Jim Bryson. You're listening to CFRC. What up? This is the Red Menace coming to you live and direct. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston. Hi, I'm Rex Murphy. You're listening to CFRC. Hi, this is Joel Plaskett, and I listen to the number one station in Kingston, CFRC. You're listening to CFRC Kingston 101.9 FM. Hi, my name is Paul Langwa. I play with the Tragically Hip, and you are listening to CFRC at 101.9 FM. I'm Naomi Klein, and you're listening to CFRC 101. 1.9 FM. What's happening? This is Kid Koala. You're listening to CFRC 101.9. Keep it locked. Hi, everybody. This is Jay from the band Sloan, and you're listening to CFRC Radio 101.9 in Lovely Kingston. This is N.I. Joe from the Pocket Dwellers. CFRC. What? Hi, I'm Rick Mercer. You're listening to CFRC Kingston. I'm Amy Goodman. This is CFRC 101.9 FM. Hi, this is Keanu Reeves. You're listening to CFRC. My name is Kevin Drew from the Broken Social Scene, and you're listening to CFRC. Hi, this is Colin Malloy from the Decemberists, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. What's up? This is McEnroe from Pierce and Corn Records. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. This is Naila Kalita May, bigging up CFRC 101.9 FM. You're listening to 101.9 FM, CFRC, and my name is Samin from Tuffin Outer Space. Hi, I'm Garth Dubinsky, and I'm listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Hi, I'm Jeff Lynn, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM
and I'm listening to CFRC. Hello, this is Mark Sasso from the band Elliot Brood, and you're listening to CFRC. Hi, this is Ira from Yola Tango. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 in Kingston. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, proudly serving Kingston and Queens communities for over 80 years. Dude, check out this guitar solo I wrote. That's so rad. Check this out. Dude, are you thinking what I'm thinking? We should totally jam. Man, let's start a band. Whether you're an experienced professional... Oopsie. Oopsie. Because <laughs> I dropped the mic. I like that word, oopsie. Or new to the scene, CFRC is well-equipped for your production needs. If you're interested in recording your band, conducting an interview, or producing a radio documentary, we can help. Call 613-533-2121 for a quote. We have the guaranteed cheapest prices in town. Our standard price is $40 an hour, with a talented technician included. It was the Saturday in September before classes began. Half the students had already moved back. September had snuck up on us. By the end of the weekend, summer would officially be over. So in the evening of that Saturday, the 11th of September, 2010, we all headed over to 21A Queen Street, where Modern Fuel Artist Run Center was originally located to dance a dance. Spotlight Noir at Modern Fuel. Tickets are $10 at the door, featuring DJs C'est La Vie, Yakul, and Willie Blake. The black and or white dress code will be in effect. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Critical Thinking. I am your host, Jamie Moss, and you're listening to the only Municipal Affairs Talk radio show in Kingston. Uh, before we uh, get back into our wonderful conversation with uh, Jeffrey Welsh, uh, I wanted to make sure that I gave out all the contact information if you were interested in contacting the show or finding out more information about the candidates who will be appearing on this show uh, through uh, frequently throughout the next couple weeks. Uh, the fo- my uh, contact information is criticalthinking at jamiemoss.ca. That's criticalthinking at jamiemoss.ca. I-E-M-A-S-S-E dot C-A. Um, joining us today in studio is a council candidate or aspiring council uh, member, uh, Jeff Welsh. Uh, and he's uh, joined us, uh, the first actually, the first candidate to come on to the program or the first announced candidate to come on the program uh, and start talking about uh, what it is uh, that uh, is not only driving him to go to council, but also uh, what he wants to do to improve the city. Uh, and before the break, we had a little conversation about some of the issues, and I think I want to highlight one of them because I'm, we we've had uh, Councillor Sarah Mears, uh, who is the current incumbent uh, on that, in that particular uh, district, or I guess the the leaving the leaving uh, or the retiring councillor or the taking a break councillor uh, in that district. And one of the uh, main concerns that uh, not only that she has, but uh, most people have identified as a, a serious issue in the city uh, or in that particular district is the lack of transit. Uh, and and I want to highlight that because. Uh, uh, if you if you have ever been up near the Heights or Markers Corners uh, or anywhere between Division and the 401, uh, you'll know that uh, taking the bus is ridiculous. Uh, you have to go all the way down if you're going uh, if you're trying to get to Montreal near the counter, John Counter Boulevard. You have to take uh, or, and you're on Division or anywhere near around Division. You have to go all the way downtown and come all the way back up, which is another 45 minutes out of your right out of your way, uh, and uh, and you have to plan an hour. Uh, 
right? Uh, if you were living on the Montreal side of the, of uh, the street and you had to go for groceries, uh, as an example, or up until a couple of weeks or months ago, uh, they didn't have a grocery store in that area. So what you had, not even they don't have a grocery store in that area now. There, there's a grocery store on Division Street, but there's not a grocery store on on uh, Montreal Street. So you got so now you can't even find a grocery store near that area. So you have to have a car, and then if you can't have a car, you have to take the bus, and the bus takes you all the way downtown. It's probably best to go downtown to Food Basics to collect your groceries. Uh, so those are some issues, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and I see you're nodding your head uh, very like these are very important issues. What what do you think we can do about that, or what would you do about that? Yeah, well, these are all the kinds of concerns that I hear from a lot of residents in the area on a regular basis. Uh, I've been going door-to-door asking people, uh, you know, introducing myself, uh, telling them if they have concerns, please let me know if they are. Uh, And that's a frequent one that I hear from a lot of people. Um, The current... Because the because of the dire situation, uh, relatively dire situation, with the transit routes being what they are, uh, the current city council, to their credit, uh, has taken a look at that, and uh, there are two new feeder lines uh, that are going to be starting up this week, actually, uh, and one of them will help connect uh, Montreal uh, and Division uh, up in that area, in that district, uh, and then feed it into West, uh, back into other parts of the city. Uh, where where people can have access to more services and so forth and not just run basically straight north-south mm-hmm. between the Heights and downtown. Uh, so that is a major issue. It will be partly alleviated by this new line. Uh, so I've been hearing a great deal of excitement about that, uh, some sighs of relief from a lot of people. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of elderly residents, for example, uh, who who can't drive. Uh, for whom it's an ordeal simply to go get groceries uh, or get to a bank or or whatever. So I think that'll help a lot of people. Uh, and there's also some talk about um, maybe starting a new feeder line or altering a, a route again at some point in the near future to allow people in the area to get access to the local food bank on Hickson, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because, you know, uh, it stands to reason that, you know, a lot of people who would need to use a food bank probably can't afford to operate a vehicle, right? Right, so, makes sense. So yeah. obviously that, that that's an issue for a number of people. And, you know, it's not just a question of, you know, throwing a bus on every road uh, all over the place and, and, you know, spending vast amounts of money to, to have a bus on every road. Um, we have to look at need uh, mm-hmm. and... Uh, again, to their credit, the current council has been taking a look at actual need and, and what do people want uh, in terms of transit and what are actual patterns uh, mm-hmm. of movement around the city. Because those change periodically as as the city develops in different ways. Um, so, for example, the uh, city council did recently decide to cut back on the uh, subsidized uh, bus routes following uh, events at the K-Rock Center because they were finding that on some of them uh, they just didn't have the usage to justify it. So they'll right. save some money there, but then they can invest money in other more desperately needed routes, right? Right, makes sense. So uh, that actually, that was a very well-rounded answer. I like that. Um, the uh, I have no other questions at that point. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's what it shows. Uh, well, that's good, though. Um, I was just going to, I guess, uh, one of the other things that was brought up, uh, and I believe you brought it up already, uh, I just want to go back to it, was the affordable housing uh, issue, or or the lack of housing, period, issue uh, within the city. I know that uh, 
the Heights, Rideau Heights particularly, has a lot of social housing and uh, rent geared income, so on and so forth. Uh, and and many people would argue that they've you know they've done their share when it comes to taking on uh, the uh, the social housing uh, thing or social housing projects and developments within the, their district. Um, it's an issue. It still is an issue with the, the the vacancy rate being so low in Kingston, among the lowest. In in fact, I believe it is the lowest in the country. Um, what do we what do what do you think we can do about that? Well, it's a complex issue um, yeah. because you're talking about. I, I mean, there are a number of ways to to address housing, uh, and it depends on the kind of land availability that you have. Um, you know, what developers are interested in doing in the city kinds of policies that the city uh, has, uh, the kinds of partnerships that can be arranged uh, with the provincial or federal government, for example. All of those things play a role uh, or, or are factors in, in considering any particular course of action. Mm-hmm. Um, it is true that uh, that district, and, and Rita Heights in particular, has a disproportionate number uh, or a disproportionate amount of the city's social housing stock. Uh, or or community housing stock. Right. Um, That is largely the result of uh, decisions by past councils Mm -hmm. uh, in in decades past who, for a number of reasons, uh, and and I I don't think this is just my opinion or my take. This is something I hear from a lot of long-time residents in the district. Uh, A lot of long-time residents in the district feel that City past city councils in, in previous decades viewed the heights as um, an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, they didn't have adequate services provided in a lot of ways. I mean, as you've said before, uh, both today and on previous shows, uh, until very recently, within the last year, even um, there was no supermarket. Yeah, no grocery store in the area. Yeah. How do you buy food? Uh, there was no bank. There's right. now there's now a, a credit union branch. Uh, there was no post office until a shoppers opened recently on uh, on the northern part of Division Street. How do you mail things? Uh, so people had to travel a very long way t- to access very basic kinds of services. Now a- again, that situation has improved a lot recently. Uh, I think much to the relief of a lot of residents. Um, but the only kind of thing this, the Rideau Heights really did seem to receive <laughs> from uh, from previous city councils in past decades was social housing. Right. And so people feel that, that they were basically treated uh, in the minds of a lot of former city councillors as, uh, as a dumping ground or a ghetto, which is completely unfair both to residents, uh, people, you know, using social housing. Right. Um, Many uh, for many of whom it's transitory, it's transitional, uh, and also unfair to the ward, uh, because, for example, if you create a lot of high density housing, you have to have the kinds of transit and services to that that requires to adequately yeah. service that yeah. high density housing, and they didn't get it. So consequently, uh, you know, when I talk to a lot of longtime residents in the district, there's there's a great there's a degree of mistrust. Of, uh, of city government uh, in Kingston. And I think that's begun to change for the better recently with things like the development of the Wally Elmer Center, uh, you know, the construction of a new splash pad for kids uh, in the park right behind the center, uh, recent development along the northern part of Division as, you know, other services start to become available. So I, I am getting, uh, as I talk to people, a more positive 
feeling, the beginnings of a more positive feeling about the possibilities of what the city can do for them, uh, which encourages me. And I'd like to see that trend continue. Okay, so how how are, are you going to go about making that train continue then? How how are you going to uh, be able to I mean what do you offer that allows uh that allows you to be able to do that? Well, for one thing I care. Um and f- for another I I think we're as a city uh, heading in a positive direction. Uh I think this last council uh or two uh have done They've done their homework, basically. Uh, they've been doing a lot of planning exercises of different kinds. Uh, until very recently, the city was basically shooting in the dark uh, when they made decisions about development of various kinds or, or how to alter services or whatever. Uh, and there are a lot of kind of last-minute ad hoc decisions made without much research, without any kind of plan or guidelines to go by. Uh, so a lot of the recent planning exercises... Uh, you know, while it might not be late night reading for very many people, uh, I, I think will do the city a lot of good uh, because it will provide the kinds of data, the kinds of information that city councillors need to make good decisions about how to efficiently deliver the kinds of services that people need in an efficient manner mm-hmm. where they need it. Interesting. All right. So uh, that that's a very, very good thing. Uh, very quickly, we've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, you, you've been mentioning a couple times now uh, that you've talked to a bunch of residents. How are how is uh, how is the reception? How are you finding the reception for? So far, very positive. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, uh, to be perfectly frank, um, you know, as I knock on doors, uh, going around introducing myself to people and giving them contact information if if they want to get back to me, uh, you know, if they've got questions or issues. People are, are actually saying, you know, I, I'm I'm so glad you actually knocked on my door or you actually introduced yourself to me because there are a lot of people in the district who, you know, it's not a common experience that candidates of any kind will actually go and knock on their door and talk to them. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, with, with with once again with the short time that we do have left, do you have any uh, any comments you'd like to make or perhaps give out your contact information? Uh, how would we get a hold of you, Jeff? Sure. Uh, well, I've got a website, uh, www.jeffwelsh.org. That's J-E-F-F-W-E-L-S-H, all one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send me an email if you have a question, uh, candidate at jeffwelsh.org, uh, or you can call my campaign phone line, 613-539-1301. There you go. Uh, and uh, once again, do you have any, any other comments you'd like to make in the final uh, couple minutes? Or Yeah, basically, uh, I, I'm actually... I'm encouraged uh, by what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing going around talking to people. Uh, as I said, I, I think there is a growing sense uh, among people in the district that uh, the city is heading in a, in a good direction uh, and is starting to make smart decisions uh, about the kinds of services that they deliver and how they deliver them. Uh, and as I go around talking to people, uh, you know, I, I can see people thinking that you know, getting involved uh, in civic issues and in public affairs uh, is actually a good thing, actually a positive thing, which has not always necessarily been the case for a lot of residents in that district. So, you know, if by being active and involved myself uh, and talking to people, uh, you know, if that can provide a positive role model for, for young people, uh, you know, thinking about different kinds of interests that they have uh, in the district and, and possibly getting involved themselves, that's something I can feel good about. Absolutely. Well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jeffrey Welsh, you can look him up at uh, jeffwelsh.org. Uh, before we uh, sign off for today, we're going to take a look at, uh, or I was going to give a little update on what's happening in the next couple weeks. In fact, uh, Jeff actually reminded me today that uh, next week is uh, Take Back the Night, 
uh, in Kingston, and uh, there's a we were gonna we actually invited uh, uh, Annie Chow of the uh, Sexual Health uh, Resource Center to come on in, um, and we uh, well unfortunately we didn't get that today, but uh, we'll talk. Uh, I'm just gonna fa- look here for what the information was again. Just make sure that I have it here. Um, I believe it's the twelfth. I thought it was the twelfth. Might be wrong. In fact, I am wrong. Uh, the tenth, the the sixteenth, the sixteenth. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, uh, Jeff. Uh, the, yes, it's right there. I have it on my calendar here. I was I was briefly scrolling it up. So taking place uh, between seven and nine p.m., Emily Fennel will be playing uh, a nice little uh, take back the night uh, uh, encouragement of individuals to get involved in in uh, or women mostly to take to get involved with their community and and you know feel feel strong and confident within their their community uh, men are also encouraged children and women will be allowed to to do uh, like the march uh, and men and men are encouraged to uh, to stand on the sidelines and uh, encourage the women and cheer for the women uh, and uh, be there to support uh, your uh, or to support the women it's a very worthy cause and it's uh, right on the lo- same lines as the uh, the uh, uh, December 6th events, uh, which, as many people already know, we've uh, quite uh, this program has been very supportive of, uh, as well as the uh, the new picture and end to violence against women uh, campaign that's been going on. And speaking of which, that's still coming up as well. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna encourage everybody on the 16th to show up to Confederation Basin at seven o'clock. You'll be able to hear Emily Fennels uh, singing live uh, at the uh, at the gazebo and uh, enjoy some wonderful uh, some wonderful uh, entertainment together. With that said, uh, we got 30 seconds left. Thank you very much, Jeff, for coming on in, uh, and thanks for giving me the information about the 16th <laughs> because I forgot. Uh, and uh, you're always welcome to come back. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is uh, the show for today. Um, y- if you have any co- questions or comments, please give me a call back or send an email to criticalthinking at jamiemoss.ca. That's criticalthinking at 